uh, so that enlightenment doesn't come by forgetting yourself. Enlightenment comes when we hear of Jesus, when we hear of another, and we hear of his death for us on the cross. Uh, it's not about our efforts or understanding uh, or enlightenment. It's about the death of Jesus for us. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and His promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Hey, thanks, Ron. You're listening to Table Talk Radio with Evan <laughs> and Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Ron. Ron the listener. No, actually, that was our voiceover guy, Ron. You know. Oh, oh. He just brought <laughs> us in. Didn't you hear him? Nice, Ron. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, today on Table Talk Radio, we've got a, a great lineup for you, as always. Um, first, we're playing uh, Ten Commandments in the News. Then we do Witch, Ladder, and Ending Up with Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns. And that's the Pastor Wolfmiller's favorite game because um, he always attempts to get more points. I, I think uh, my favorite new game is Ten Commandments in the News. Last time we played it, I thought it was a wild success. <laughs> how do you how do you evaluate which games are a wild success? Just out of curiosity. I don't know. Did, uh, didn't we have one email about it? So that counts. We got a response. So. Speaking of which, we are responding to our listeners in the first segment of this program. But let's do our theological buzzwords first because maybe I can fit our theological buzzwords in in responding to our listeners. <laughs> Doubtful. Yeah. But my uh, theological buzzword I have for you is retrobate. <laughs> uh, this particular... You've been the- doing a little self-reflection lately. <laughs> this theological buzzword I hope isn't found in your uh, Lutheran theology, um, but usually is... Um, usually is found in, in Calvinistic theology, and it's talking about election. And uh, Lutherans believe that uh, when, we, when we talk about election and predestination, we are talking about uh, election and, and predestination are gospel terms. We are, it's always for the sake of the gospel. Um, however, Calvinism believes that in time God also um, elected certain people to be damned, and those are the retrobate. Well, there you go. Uh, and I have a similar theological buzzword for you, uh, which you actually even already used. I wonder if you get points for ding, it. Ding, the ding, word ding. for you is election. Uh, election. This is the doctrine that uh, before the creation of the world, the Lord uh, chose those who he would save. That's the doctrine of election. Uh, and as you mentioned, we have the election only to grace. We don't have the theology of the election to damnation. So uh, God's election is always good and is always gospel. So that's the word for you. Election. Okay. And I wrote it down this time so you don't have to check your text messages during the show this time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's respond to some of our listeners. Uh, guess what, Pastor Wolfenler? We actually had a real caller to our, our 1-800 number at 866-851-5523. Amazing. It is amazing. This is what this particular person said. Hi, this is Joseph Schneider. Table Talk Radio is the best online radio show that features... Theological game shows. All right. 
you know, how, how many uh, theological game shows do you know on the internet? Um, but we are this. <laughs> we are Joseph's favorite. So thanks for we calling. We are in, the best. I think that's true. <laughs> we are the best. The greatest. The greatest. That's yeah. Right. Thanks for the call, Joseph, and for the compliment. We're uh, we are trying to be the best theological game show on the internet. Uh, we are trying daily to accomplish that task, and so we appreciate the commendation there very much. Yes, we do. And you can call in with your comment or question to 866-851-5523, and you can have your voicemail featured on our show, which is a a prize in and of itself. 20 seconds of fame. And for the (laughs) call, I think we get Joseph gets uh, 500 Table Talk Radio points. Oh, okay. So you're a negative 500 already? Is that how it works? No, no. I found (laughs) some more this week. Oh, okay. Laying around. Right. Okay. Does, does so, so far in the show today, the score is Joseph the Caller, 500, does, Evan, zero. I, I have a question. Does, does Carrie give you Table Talk Radio points like, uh, honey, I just took out the trash. Oh, thanks. Here's some Table Talk Radio points for you. <laughs> no, I'm going to have her listen to this, though, so maybe she'll start. <laughs> Too bad for you. You have no honey to give you points. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Uh, also on our forum, we have a, a response to our show 52 on Lutheran evangelism. You remember that show? I and, do. And uh, this, the poster says this. It seems to me that the Lutheran teachings found in the Catechism and Book of Concord are themselves great evangelistic tools. But would it be an incorrect way of thinking about these teachings, like putting the cart before the horse? So what do you think? Can we use things like the Catechism or the Book of Concord as, as tools for evangelism? I, I think uh, it would be uh, perhaps a little bit awkward to go and hand somebody a book of Concord. Uh, that seems like a little bit of uh, overkill. But the catechism, on the other hand, is especially for that. In fact, our Lutheran confessions call the catechism the layman's Bible. Or maybe a better way to uh, think about that is to understand that the catechism is like the cliff notes to the Bible. If you have the catechism, uh, the six chief parts, which are the Ten Commandments, the Creed, which is basically a summary of everything God's done, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and then the teaching, the scriptures on baptism, confession, absolution, and the Lord's Supper, you basically have, in a nutshell, the scriptures and the Christian life. It's all right there. And so I think the catechism, the small catechism, is a great evangelism tool. Uh, in fact, I was uh, talking to someone who wasn't a member of the church. Uh, we are down in the neighborhood uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, and I said, look, at basically there's two things uh, there, there's really two things that I have to say and two things that you need to know from the church. And the first is the Ten Commandments, that God requires all this and that you haven't done it. Neither have I. We, we deserve his, his judgment and his wrath. And the second thing is all of these things that God has done for us to save us in the creed. So I, I think that that's exactly a, a, a wonderful point, that the catechism is a wonderful evangelism tool. Well, I have a question for you on that because I was kind of reflecting up, um, upon our show <laughs> when I was listening to our own show. <laughs> our one listener, it's actually me. <laughs> I accidentally did that the other day. I was washing the dishes and I tuned into Pirate Christian Radio and, and there we were and I was listening to the show. I was, it's interesting. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but, uh, it's not as bad as I remember when we recorded it. <laughs> but you mentioned about uh, how... Really, the only evangelism training we need is to is to learn the the Ten Commandments, the Law, and the Creed, the Gospel, and and to go out and and speak forth. And I find myself when I'm talking to to people uh, who are outside, outside the Christian faith, I have the tendency to, in speaking the Law, not necessarily to say to, the the Bible says this, um, but rather to to talk about the Law written on their heart. In other words, it's easy to talk to someone and and to get them to admit that 
that they've lied or or stolen something. I mean, that, that's that's fairly easy to do. Um, but how then do you how, how then do you connect the sins which they've committed then to the deserve what what they deserve because of those sins? Well, per- perhaps this is a, I mean, uh, the there is the law in nature and in the conscience, and so we all. Uh, I mean, some people's consciences are more hardened than others, but we all have a sense of our own failure and our own sinfulness. But the connection that the Scripture makes is that these failures and these mistakes that we make are offensive to God. They invite upon us God's wrath. It's only when we learn the Scriptures. I mean, every society has laws. I mean, don't kill and, uh, and don't steal and don't lie and all of this. Uh, but when we turn to the Ten Commandments and we see, look, you shall have no other gods. Shall, you shall not misuse God's name. Uh, you you uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In other words, pay attention to the scriptures. Uh, and we realize that our sinfulness is directed against God. And, and so therefore God's wrath is directed against us. So that we, when we, we can start with natural law, and that's fine. Say, look, at, uh, you're not so hot, are you? You're not so good. You're not so fantastic. Uh, and, and that's a good place to start. But then to, you have to kind of push it all the way with the law. Is That means that, that God is mad at you. I mean, he ought to be anyways for what you've done. He ought to pour out his wrath on you. And we learn that in the scriptures. Okay, well, anything else you want to follow up with this Lutheran evangelism comment? Mm, I think no? We, I think we covered it pretty good. Okay, well, uh, we have just about a minute to start uh, Ten Commandments in the News. Why don't you read your first article, then we'll comment on the other side. All right. Now, I actually have, for Ten Commandments in the News, I've printed out a couple uh, speeches by our President Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. He was recently elected, wasn't he? (laughs) We're keeping up with the times here on Table Talk Radio. Cutting edge. He won in the recent election. Right. (laughs) Yes, that's the one. Uh, A a couple of his most famous... That was my uh, buzzword. You didn't get it. Okay, never mind. Oh, oh, you did. Nice. Twice. You 500, automatic 500 points. Forgetting your buzzword without me noticing. <laughs> nice work. Okay. You're, ni- you're now tied with Joseph the Caller. 500 points each. <laughs> he gave uh, a couple of noteworthy speeches. Uh, one of them was at uh, uh, the uh, commencement to the University of Notre Dame. And he, he's going he's gonna to say this. Now, the, the big issue was, uh, was abortion on that issue, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something else. Uh, when he talks about the role that the graduates will have in society, so I'll read that after the break, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll see which ten commandment, which of the ten commandments is in play. All right, we'll do that after this break. Uh, if you're a theological game show junkie like me, you might uh, be under the impression that all these table talk radio points are free. Um, well, they kind of are, but yeah, they uh, are, I guess. we do rely upon your uh, generous donations to continue this uh, show, Table Talk Radio. Uh, so if you uh, are able, please visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, and click on the Donate button right there on our website. We truly appreciate it very much. We'll be right back with more Table Talk Radio, Ten Commandments in the News, with Evan and Pastor Brian Wolfman. Don't go away. Should they donate if they don't want to hear us anymore? You're listening to Table Talk Radio, Serious Theology, Seriously Bad Hosts.
Commandments in the News is the game we're playing on Table Talk Radio. Welcome back. Uh, Ten, Ten Commandments in the News, by the way, is where we read some, some news articles. It's pretty self-explanatory, but read some news articles, and we discuss uh, what Ten Commandments are being involved with in the news article. Uh, this is a kind of a way to, to get you thinking in these terms. So when, when you hear uh, this this news report on the on the TV screen, you can when you hear it on the TV screen. Anyway, when it comes up on the <laughs> evening news, <laughs> you can uh, start to think in these terms uh, of of what what is being involved uh, in relation to the Ten Commandments. Right. So what's what this is a big this uh, this game is a big part of the Table Talk Radio home game. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, in fact, <laughs> Martin Luther says, uh, if you know the Ten Commandments, you know the whole Bible. Uh, and I think he also says it conversely, if you don't, if you, you, to know the Ten Commandments, you have to know the whole Bible. So they go to hand in hand. So here we are. We have uh, President Barack Obama uh, talking about uh, what the graduates from Notre Dame have ahead of them. Uh, and I'm going to read a little paragraph, and then we get to talk about it. You ready? Ready. You, however, are not getting off that easy. He's talking about the generations that kind of had it easy. You don't get that. You have a different deal. Your class has come of age at a moment of great consequence for our nation and for the world, a rare inflection point in history where the size and scope of the challenges before us require that we remake our world to renew its promise, that we align our deepest values and commitments to the demands of a new age. It's a privilege and a responsibility afforded to few generations and a task that you are now called to fulfill. This generation, your generation, is the one that must find a path back to prosperity and decide how we respond to a global economy that left millions behind even before the most recent crisis hit, an economy where greed and short-term thinking were too often rewarded at the expense of fairness and diligence and an honest day's work. Your generation, and now pay careful attention to this line right here. This is the one I want to talk about. Okay, I will start Your generation then. <laughs> must decide how to save God's creation from a changing climate that threatens to destroy it. Your generation must seek peace at a time when there are those who will stop at nothing to do us harm, and when weapons in the hands of a few can destroy the many. And we must find a way to reconcile our ever-shrinking world with its ever-growing diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of culture, and diversity of belief. So there you go. Very good. This is tough, man. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think in the terms of the Ten Commandments. And uh, especially in light of, of what you said at the end there, as far as um, uh, saving God's planet, is that what you said? Your generation must decide how to save God's creation from a changing climate that threatens to destroy it. Okay. Um, interesting. Well, we, we were kind of talking before the break, or excuse me, before, um, before we went on the air, and uh, we were talking about how stewardship is something that uh, that God gives us to do, that, that we are supposed to uh, take care of, of God's creation. Um, but how we go about that is, an, is another thing. Um, and whether or not, sometimes I wonder if, if we can um, cha- protect God's uh, God's creation from climate is another question. I don't know. Do you want to help me out a little bit? What Ten Commandments are being involved here? Well, I I think especially just this just this bold reversal, where where uh, when we ask who's saving who or what, 
when it says your generation must decide how to save God's creation from a changing climate that threatens to destroy it. So that so that who's doing the saving here? Mm, yeah, it's we are. We are. And and what are we saving? We're, we're saving God's creation. It's a really quite stunning uh a rather, reversal of things. Rather than the creator the creator uh preserving his own creation. Right. That's exactly right. Now it's now it's us that we have the uh the we have the control, we have the power, we have the authority to either save the world or to destroy the world. That's the that's the kind of idolatry of environmentalism that says that that man uh is that salvation must come from man. I mean that's really and and I think this is a a breaking of the first commandment, sure. having no other gods. Where we, you have two types of environmentalism. Uh, you have one type of environmentalism that makes man God, uh, and puts it in man's lap to save the world. You have another type of environmentalism that makes, uh, that makes the world or the Mother Earth into the great goddess, uh, and and man now is some sort of plague on the Mother Earth. And but they in, in 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 a kind of strange way they go together. Um, is that man has all that can either save or destroy the earth, and and earth is that which needs to be uh, sacrificed to in order to be saved. Uh, it's really quite, it's really quite disturbing. It is. So that, in my mind, is a breaking of the first commandment. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't think I get any points out of that because uh, I was like a deer in the headlights, or as Luther <laughs> put it, the proverbial cow looking at a new gate. <laughs> I love- <laughs> in Oklahoma, you'll learn what cows looking at new gates looks like. Hey, I'm from that kind of kind of country. I know all about. Oh yeah, that. that's true. Yuma, Yuma. <laughs> all right. That's what well, they made the movie about three ten from Yuma. That's I, your hometown, isn't it? It's no, that was a different Yuma. Yuma, Arizona. Sorry, sorry to ruin the whole the movie Yuma's for all you. Straight. <laughs> all right, I got a quick uh, article for you. This is I always find these peculiar articles. Um, this one uh, headlines. Firefighter faces jail for killing dogs. Uh, Ohio firefighter faces jail time and may lose his job for shooting his two dogs to death rather than paying to board them while he went on a cruise. Uh, This firefighter took uh, Sloopy and Skeeter (laughs) to his his home's basement, suspended them from a pipe near the ceiling, and fired at least 11 shots from a twenty-two caliber rifle fitted with a homemade silencer. Um, That's pretty much the whole thing um okay so so here we have someone killing his his own pets uh can you think of a commandment this could be uh breaking here well it is uh, i'm a little bit hesitant to make this a breaking of the fifth commandment but i really think it is the fifth commandment you shall not murder uh has to do with taking the life of another person not necessarily of an animal and we know that there is sanctioned taking the life of animals uh in both the scriptures and in society, um, that's not certainly not murder. Uh, but when you uh, take an animal under your care like this, um, it's pretty well understood that you don't kill it just so you don't have to spend some money um, to put it in the in the boarding house. Yeah, and that, this, that, that's pretty obvious. But, but but make the distinction, if you would, between this and you know something like hunting, because. Would there would there be are there any religious bodies that that say we we shouldn't hunt at all? Oh yeah, I mean uh, any sort of um, uh, vegetarian kind of religious vegetarianism 
would say that it's immoral, it's murder to take the life of an animal. It is, is a, it is an interesting distinction. If you have a if you have chickens that you raise for food, uh, you can uh, kill the chicken to eat. If you have a chicken though that you're raising as a pet, then it's animal cruelty to actually take it and kill it. It's a it's a strange sort of distinction, and I and I don't know uh, all the different laws here how they apply. Although maybe we know it a little bit instinctively. Uh, is that the 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 purpose of I mean I guess if this man was starving to death. Uh, and he was trapped in his basement, and uh, or something like this. Um, and the only food around was his dogs, and he had to kill his dogs regrettably to have some food. Then, then that wouldn't be bad. But to do it just to save a few bucks from uh, sending them to the kennel—that's a really sort of uh, uh, terrible thing. And it it really comes from the sin of greed, which which is the ninth and tenth commandment, covetousness. And it, but here's an interesting thing. The covetousness in this case is not coveting something that he didn't have, uh, but he was coveting not having something that he did have. He didn't want his dogs. Uh, he didn't want to have to trouble with them to pay for them. Uh, and so his covetousness is a matter of, of, of not wanting uh, something that he had. Yeah, and, and as we talked about before, breaking any of the commandments is really breaking the first commandment. In a sense, you could see where he was putting his love and trust in his, his money, uh, where he didn't want to lose it at, at the cost of... You know, he he wanted to put his own dogs down at the cost of losing losing money. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, uh, you see a bunch of animal laws in the Old Testament. It was a agrarian society, and so there's a number of laws about when you uh, kill your neighbor's animal and this sort of thing because this is part of their livelihood, uh, and the Lord doesn't take kindly to that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, I think that would be the case with this one as well. What a strange story, though. It, yeah. Where, it, where do you find these stories? Strange <laughs> stories on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I I figure these are the kind of things you get on Facebook, but I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we just have we just have a minute left. Can we make a quick one or or no? Well, we could start uh, it and finish on the other side. Yep. Here's another one. I have another uh, quotation from our uh, President Obama. Uh, this is now his uh, uh, his remarks on Cairo. Uh, to uh, uh, you remember when he gave his speech to the Muslim world in Cairo? This is a few. Uh, this was a few weeks ago. Oh, I thought you meant uh, the religious symbol, Cairo. Cairo. Sorry. Hmm. Which no. was covered up? No, no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> here it is. Now here, here's the. Uh, I want you to think about this one. Uh, too many tears have been shed. Too much blood has been shed. All of us have a responsibility to work for the day when the mothers of Israelis and Palestinians can see their children grow up without fear. When the holy land of the three great faiths is the place of peace that God intended it to be. When Jerusalem is a secure and lasting home for Jews and Christians and Muslims. A place for all of the children of Abraham to mingle peacefully together. As in the story of Isra. As in the story of Isra when Moses, Jesus and Muhammad, peace be upon them. Joined in prayer. All right, we need to discuss what commandments are being involved in that story, and we'll do that right after this break. Don't go away. You get to hear us talk about the Ten Commandments in the news right after this break. Table Talk Radio, giving away 100 million Table Talk Radio points by 2017.
President Obama reminds us of the story of Israel. When Moses, Jesus, quote, when Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon them, joined in prayer. That's from uh, President Obama's speech in Cairo, remarks by the president on a new beginning, his address to the Muslim world. Uh, and we are talking about what commandment uh, is this have to do with. So. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because um, here we have, have, have a president of the United States reaching out to a particular, you can't deny it, but a particular religious group. And, um, you know, we, we don't, among races, you know, we, we see differences among people in races. And obviously we, we don't want to, to any ca- kind of cause any kind of uh, uh, divisions among races. I mean, certainly we are all uh, a creation of God, uh, human beings equally. I mean, uh, before God, there is no distinction, Galatians uh, tells us, um, b- between race. But to reach out to a particular religious group... Um, I, I, it has to be a, a breaking of the first commandment um, to say that that we can all pray as one. It's a very uh, a syncretistic, I think. There. Yeah, I think so. And and syncretism, especially, is that has to do with the first commandment: "You shall have no other gods." And also the second commandment: "You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God." So prayer and worship uh, of God has to do with the with the second commandment as well. And that's, I think, really the commandment at the heart of this one. Uh, did Jesus and Moses and Mohammed pray together, uh, as if all three religions worship uh, worship the same God? Now it just so happens that the um, uh, that the Muslims say that when they pray, uh, they're praying to the same God that the Christians and the Jews are praying to, and the Jews say that when they pray, they're praying to the same God that the Muslims pray to, and maybe even the Jews. It's only the Christians, with our clear doctrine of the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, that the name of God is the Holy Trinity. It's only Christians who say that when these other folks pray, uh, who reject Jesus, that they're not praying to the same God. Uh, So the Muslim uh, world could receive this story, the story of Israel, the night journey of Muhammad, when he goes on this kind of vision and sees all this crazy stuff. Um, and he sees Jesus there, and he sees Abraham, and he sees Moses, and he goes into the, he tours the circles of heaven, and and and, uh, and he joins all the other prophets praying. Uh, it's um, uh, the the Muslims can say, oh yeah, they're we're, they're all praying to the same God, uh, but only the Christians can say, no, not not true. Uh, we we pray to a different God because we pray to Jesus, uh, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and 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 to the Father of Jesus, uh, who who is God. So. Uh, so I think the first and second commandments are the ones being busted up here. That's right. Uh, let's see. There oh, it is. Ten we, commandments in the news. We should probably get going on some uh, which ladder. Now we haven't played this in a while. I so, know. So, it was almost like we've forgotten about this game. But let me explain how it works. Um, this is where we discuss uh, particular quotes or news clips, whatever. And, and we evaluated which ladder is it trying to climb. And this is based off of a book by Adolf Caberly entitled the, the Quest for Holiness. And in this book, he, he uh, says that um, all of man's failed attempts find themselves on, on one of three ladders. And essentially, they're all one ladder, but uh, to, to maybe divide them into three ladders. They are, uh, first, the ladder of moralism or the, the ladder of the will. And this is when anyone is trying to be good enough uh, to climb up to God. Uh, or to reach eternal life, um, that is the ladder of moralism, to be good enough or to do the right things. The, the next one is the ladder of mysticism, and this is the ladder of experience. Is that right? 
Mysticism. Which one? Mysticism is the ladder of emotional experiences. Yes. Right. So to experience something a certain way or to uh, have some sort of emotional response uh, is, a, is a ladder that people will climb uh, to, to attempt to reach God as well. And the last one is the rational ladder or the ladder of the mind. Um, this is uh, to, to have a certain intellectual uh, level or a, a certain understanding intellectually uh, as an attempt to reach God as well. So those are the ladders. And uh, first up, we have a little clip that Pastor Wolf Miller uh, found. And let's take a listen to that clip. And we'll, we'll talk about which ladder it is on the other side. Buddhism is the art of happiness. And the concept of Buddhism as the art of happiness is not just some sort of contemporary Buddhist pop. So now with that misunderstanding out of the way, let's look at the way in which we do become free of suffering, which is namely by understanding the cause of suffering, the second noble truth, and getting rid of it. The second noble truth might be thought, therefore, as something very complicated, but really it is very simple. It is the truth of ignorance, really. What the Buddha discovered was that the reason that beings suffer is that they do not know their own real condition. They think that reality is one way when actually it is another. And the key element of that distorted understanding and perception of reality is that each of us perceives ourselves to be the center of our reality. Each of us thinks that we are some sort of fixed, independent, real entity when we hear Descartes say, aha, the one thing I can be sure of is I think, therefore I am, and that the fact that I am is the one indubitable thing in the universe. The Buddha said that is a perfect expression of ignorance, of misknowledge, as he would put it, a wrong knowing of the nature of the world. Okay. How about there that? There you go. All right, so uh, am I, Buddhism. let me see if I can properly articulate that. Um, that essentially that Descartes had the opposite of what we're trying to achieve, um, that, uh, that we are – the only thing that I can understand is myself um, is actually um, ignorance, and, and to be enlightened by Buddha is really what we're going for. Am, am, I, am I close there? Yes. You see, because uh, the starting point of Descartes was my own – my individuality, whereas the starting point of knowledge in Buddhism is my uh, that I'm connected to everything else. See, so that I'm not individual, so that um, that my link to the world and to the cosmic reality uh, is what I have to first understand, so that I can understand the cause of suffering is through through my connection to this universe. This, by the way, wasn't Deepak Chopra, was it? Deepak Chopra, <laughs> new. No. You're not. You're not gonna start. That oh, the Deepak Chopra voice is what'll get me on the soundbite of the week. That's oh my goodness. Gonna... <laughs> Pastor Wolfmiller is still sore because he didn't get soundbite of the week on the radio program issues, etc. And so he's, yes, he's I've never to... <laughs> ever. I'm my record on that is like 31 and and O and one. I had one tie back in like 2005. Wait, no, no, your wins come first, so it's it's O and 31. O and, and 31 and one. <laughs> Impossible. So I'm thinking of a new accent to use. To, <laughs> but that's a little inside radio here, inside baseball. Back to the Buddhists. <laughs> okay, well, I, I think that we're climbing the rational ladder, the ladder of the mind. It's about yeah. being enlightened. It's about a, a proper understanding according to Buddha. And upon, the, you know, we're, we're, fl we're trying to free ourselves from ignorance and into the, the marvelous light of, of Buddhist understanding. Uh, this is definitely the ladder of 
of uh, the mind, the rational ladder, which essentially is then um, the moralism ladder, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. The rationalism ladder is the rattle the uh, the ladder of the mind. Uh, remember, you got the th- you got the three. You got the mind, and you got the will, and you got the heart. So right. But I was I was the... saying that it boils down to being able to do the right thing. Yeah, it is. It's a strange sort of thing because you think of Buddhism and you think, oh, uh, it's a mysticism, and it is. It's to that that through these particular exercises, you reach a point of of where you lose your own identity and you now meld into the universal whole and now you experience nirvana or enlightenment uh but but so you have a you, it's a strange sort of thing first you have to you have to understand the second truth then uh and then the second truth leads you which is the root of suffering is defined as craving or clinging to the wrong things and then you get this idea that it's possible to find an end to suffering by letting go of these cravings. But then you got to follow the eightfold path, which is doing all this stuff, and that's moralism. And and then in the end, you you reach this enlightenment. So it's uh, Buddhism, and perhaps we see something here in this study, is that if you want to create a false religion, uh, you want to try to have people climb all three of these ladders. And Buddhism would have you do that. First, you climb the rational ladder. You got to understand it. Then you go. Once you understand it, you got to do this stuff. You climb the moralistic ladder. And then once you start climbing that ladder, you reach the, uh, you reach Nirvana, which is the ecstatic uh, mystical ladder. Uh, so, it, in a strange sort of way, it's all three. All right. With uh, about two minutes left, contrast that with uh, the kind of ladders that you might find or lack thereof in Christianity. Well, yeah, that's right. Christianity is—it's uh, not about man reaching some sort of state of enlightenment. It's not about somehow escaping our suffering by losing our identity to the whole. Christianity is the very opposite of that. Christianity is about the individual Jesus, who is God and man, who climbs the ladder down to us. He—he uh, he comes and and joins us in our humiliation, in our. Uh, in our degradation, in in our sinfulness, in our cursedness, in our deserving God's wrath, He He climbs the ladder t- t- down to us to be with us and to and to die for us, uh, so that uh, so that enlightenment doesn't come by forgetting yourself. Enlightenment comes uh, when we hear of Jesus, when we hear of another, and we hear of His death for us on the cross. Uh, it's not about our efforts or understanding uh, or enlightenment. It's about the death of Jesus for us. That is right. Well, uh, well are you ready to do some singing? A sing for your supper with <laughs> Pastor Wolfmuller. <laughs> no, but we'll try it anyway. All right, let's let's do it with when we play. Don't forget the stanzas to your hymns right after this break. Uh, during this break, you can visit our website where you can find uh, table scraps. You can find a bunch of old issues where we uh, discuss... <laughs> <laughs> Ancient. we got to do yeah. some new ones. <laughs> we have some new ones coming out soon. Uh, but if, if that bores you or if you already listen to all those, why don't you chat about this show with us on our website at tabletalkradio.org and click on the forum link, and we will discuss this show with you. Right back for more Table Talk Radio. And don't forget the stanzas to your hands. Table Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Pastor Wolf Miller is the contestant in the game. Don't forget the stanzas to your hymns. And this is a pretty self-explanatory game. We play a hymn, and Pastor Wolf Miller has to figure out the last... Uh, well, the first round, you have to fill la- uh, four words. The second one, it's... I don't know. Remember what I said? No, one word, right? One oh. word, and then a few words, and then a whole line. Oh, yeah. One word, four words, and a whole line. Okay. Now, this first one, I think, is, a, is uh, going to be a familiar hymn to you. But you will know it to a different tune, so you're going to have to pay attention to the words carefully. All so right. So here's your first entry for Don't Forget the Lyrics, or the, excuse me, the stanzas to your hymns. This is tough. I, uh, it, it's a, it is hard to to uh, try to track a hymn with a different tune. So you're ha- you're gonna have to give me the words to the last couple of lines. Okay. Do you know this hymn though? I don't know if I do. I don't oh. recognize it. Well, okay. I mean, it sounds uh, nice. I'll, I'll read it to you. The stanza that you were, was, you were given. O blessed air of heaven, you'll hear the song resound of endless jubilation when you with life are crowned. Your right hand, your maker, will place the victor's palm, and you will thank him gladly with heaven's joyful throng. Throng. It's actually psalm. I'm sorry. Oh, man. This is Entrust Your Days and Burdens by uh, Paul Gerhardt. Um, I I'm not sure. I have to look it up. I, okay. I can't recognize it with it, a different tune. It, in the uh, TLH, it's to the tune of um, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. Um, uh-huh. So you might be more familiar with that one. So, um, But a, a wonderful hymn, though. I, I, I love this hymn. Yeah, give, tell us why. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, let me let me uh, look here at uh, the the first stanza. Uh, Entreat your days and burdens to God's most loving hand. He cares for you while ruling the sky, the sea, the land. So Obama would probably not like this stanza too much. For he <laughs> who guides the uh, temptus along with their thunderous ways will find you a pathway and guide you all your days. So this this. Uh, same God who created the heavens and the earth and and all the stars and the sky and everything in them is the same God who is who is looking after us and and take caring, uh, taking care of us and, and all of our troubles or burdens whatever we encounter. Yes, it is wonderful. I mean, the, uh, I, I love to when we're sitting there in the hospital uh, with me and a, a member of the congregation and we're talking about the surgery that's about to happen. I love to, I mean, take up something like Psalm ninety-five that talks about the Lord's hands. Uh, his hands form the dry land. His hands shaped the mountains. His hands hold us as the sheep of his pasture. So the strength of God is for us and for our benefit. And and when we look at those hands, we see that they're the same hands that are pierced for us, uh, that are run through that we might have salvation. Uh, so that's it is really wonderful. That it is. Okay, you ready for your next one? No ready. points for you on the first one. Oh, man. 
<laughs> What's new? <laughs> Here's your next one. the priest well that's true that i should have known that <laughs> himself the victim and himself the priest so jesus is the priest who offers him himself uh, on the cross so that we might have the fruit of it in in the lord's supper okay we also ah. play this game sometimes called contemporary traditional where we guess whether a hymn is before or after 1750 uh pastor contemporary or traditional uh that's an old one isn't it that's got to be uh that's got to be traditional that is traditional we don't even know um, the author, but it's uh, from a Latin text of the seventh century. Yeah, oh, roll, roll on. So, what is this teaching though about uh, the Holy Supper? Well, the first is that in the in the Lord's Supper we get, according to Jesus, His body and His blood. Take and eat. This is My body. Take and drink. This is the blood of the New Testament shed for you. So, what He's giving to eat and drink is His body and His blood there with the bread and wine. Uh, but that's just the first thing. Uh, this, the second and maybe even the greater thing is that the gift that that he's given in with his body and his blood is the gift of salvation, uh, the the fruit of the cross, where where he as the great high priest of our salvation offers his own body and blood uh, to the wrath of God to be our propitiation, our salvation, our our atonement. Uh, to, uh, and that is the very gift that he gives out in his supper. It is really quite wonderful. And and this hymn coming from the seventh century teaches a little bit about what the church was teaching at the time. I mean, I mean not that uh, the seventh century is the earliest we can get with the Lord's the Lord's Supper, but uh, maybe those who who uh, would say that the Lord's Supper is just a memorial meal, or that uh, you, you don't really receive uh, the Lord's body and blood. When Jesus said, "This is my body, this is my blood," of course, don't you know it was figurative. And so we don't really receive that. That's not evidently what the the church thought in the seventh the seventh century. No, the church has never thought it. I mean, maybe you can find a heretic or two in the early centuries of the church that go for this memorial meal stuff, but they have Gnostic tendencies anyway. So uh, it's not it doesn't become popular until who Zwingli comes along and really goes berserk with it in the uh, 16th century, and then and then from then on the church has always now had to argue with those who would deny. Uh, the Lord's word, this is my body, this is my blood. But yeah, in the ancient church, it really, uh, it is it is clear. And the piety of the church, I mean, the liturgy of the church, the worship service of the church, everything is built then around Jesus giving his body and blood in the supper. That's right. We have one one more, and you have a whole line. No, no points to show for yourself so far, and don't forget the stanzas to your hymns. And I have to admit, this, this last one's pretty tough. <laughs> so I will award you 1,000 points if you get it. All right, all right. Uh, so here it is. Always what I've wanted, 1,000 points. <laughs> May God bestow on us. 
unto God convert them. And unto God convert them. <laughs> yeah! A thousand points! Did you think I said a thousand? <laughs> No. <laughs> oh man, come from behind. I said uh sandful. <laughs> I love that uh uh may God bestow on us his grace. It's the only Lutheran hymn in the mission section of the hymnal. So really it's the only mission hymn that we ever sing. <laughs> it's a tough one though. You're right. Yeah. But you knew it. You knew it. I should have I should have known better playing a Lutheran hymn. Uh, a Luther hymn uh, that you would probably get it, uh, but the tune is tough. So, th- are you the only one singing when you when you sing this hymn at your church? Yeah, but that's basically how it is with all the hymns. <laughs> I'm the only one singing. You know, my hymn selection thing is I I try to pick the hymns so that people don't complain about the preaching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no one ever complains complaint. about the sermon because they have plenty to complain about with the music. So. <laughs> It, what, what, what was the other thing you told me about your hymn selection? <laughs> kind of like vegetables or something? Oh, yeah. Like a, a mother with a child and the vegetables. They said, eat your vegetables. They're good for you. That's what I – sing your hymns. They're good for you. <laughs> you may not like them, but they're good for you. Isn't that a stunning language that Luther uses, though? Unto God convert them. He talks about – He talks about first he calls people who are unbelievers. Believers, he calls them heathens. That's not so PC. And then he talks about con- them being converted to the truth. Uh, and it all happens by God bestowing on us his grace. I mean, he gives us his word, his promise, his gospel. And so, and here's something else that's really fantastic, is that the, the missionary efforts of the church begin with prayer. So may God bestow on us his grace. We're saying, Lord, please give us your grace so that we know your truth and that we show your truth to the heathen, to the unbeliever around us. What a wonderful prayer. What a wonderful hymn. Yeah, and that'll bring us to the end of Table Talk Radio. Woo-hoo. Pastor Wolfmuller ends up with a thousand Table Talk Radio points, a millennium he, of points, which, which he will spend at his leisure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio, where the points are like a golden casket; they just don't do you too much good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! All right, that'll get that'll get us in trouble. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.